The Willpower Instinct, how self-control works, why it matters, and what you can do to get more of it. Based on Stanford U University psychologist Kelly McGonigal's wildly popular course, The Science of Willpower, The Willpower Instinct is the first book to explain the new science of self-control and how it can be harnessed to improve our health, happiness, and productivity. Informed by the latest research and combining cutting-edge insights from psychology, economics, neuroscience, and medicine, The Willpower Instinct explains exactly what willpower is, how it works, and why it matters. Book Bash! Welcome to our book club podcast, where we pick a book to read each month that we then review. The best part is, you can join our book club. Just read the book with us and give your own feedback on the book and our reviews in the comments below. Be warned, if you haven't read the book and you want to listen to the show anyway, there will be spoilers. We choose the book for the next episode at the end of this one. I hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Book Bash. I am your host, Josh, and joined as usual by... Garner! Alex. Alex, yes. <laughs> but we have a special guest joining us today in our book club. Say hello to... Hello, everyone. I'm Kirby. Kirby! <laughs> so he is joining us today for this book and possibly future books. We will see. I think that's good. I like getting a little bit more opinion in here. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, maybe not everyone hates these books. <laughs> no, I really think that I can be um, that hero you who can be doesn't the hero. hate everything. Who doesn't hate everything? <laughs> you're, you're ready to, to, to break in that virgin hammer you brought to the table? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Alex, um, this is a book chosen by you. Yeah. Um, last episode, you said, well, you know, I've read it before... And you tried to pitch it before, and uh, you gave us, like, two books that we didn't want to read, and so we ended up settling on this book, which, which I think is an interesting strategy to get us to read a book. I figured I'd just copy Josh. Oh. Oh. <laughs> so how deep... I'm going to take that as a compliment. I'm, I'm, I'm new here. How deep does the meta, the book selection meta go here? <laughs> yeah. That's pretty deep sometimes. This, but I'll tell you what, there is a book selection meta game. Yes, actually. Do you have, like, a roster? Do you keep, like, throwing in one of the ones you're trying to sneak in with some garbage picks? Yeah, and then eventually Maybe. people will, like, accuse you of doing that thing. Oh, geez. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> yeah, yes. Mr. Host, is that, is that a fact? Yeah. So, so Alex um, managed to gift this one by us. And uh, so why'd you recommend it? I think it's a very approachable book. I think it has a lot of science to back it, and I think it's really kind of a user guide to everyday life and what you want to get out of it. That's oh. like the cheesy pitch, but yeah. Yeah. it works. All right, all right, all right. I, uh, I feel like we're going to talk about what we liked about the book. What did you like about it? <laughs> um, like I said, I like that it's very approachable. It has real-world strategies for getting shit done. What? Like, it's not just thinking fast and slow, science upside the back of the head. Oh! <laughs> it is, there. It's just very approachable. It's real-world tactics. It's even pick and choose. You know, if something doesn't work, go try something else. What was your favorite chapter in the book or section? <sighs> I don't know. Oh. oh. They're all her favorites. Have... 
So when a, when they all get caught on a fire, she just stands there paralyzed as they burn to death. And they all die. <laughs> Terrible um, deaths. She turns think, her back with a single tear. I think the contagion one is probably the most interesting to me. How willpower is contagious. And like even some of the studies in the Air Force where the lowest member is where everybody kind of goes down to. Yeah, and the weird weight thing with the Air Force cadets. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that was bizarre. <laughs> right? I was like, maybe this is why they have such strict running standards. <laughs> Kirby could comment on this, right? Do you, do you feel like just hanging around fat people makes you fat? Or is Kelly full of shit? Well, the problem that I ran into with that chapter actually was, um, yeah, the study did suggest that having one out of shape uh, cadet at the Air Force Academy would bring everybody's average down, and the study showed that it actually did. But I can't imagine, um, if that's the case, then it's also possible that somebody who's really hardcore about fitness brings all of the people around them up, which I've experienced anecdotally anyway. Yeah. You get one motivated person mm-hmm. around and gets everybody else to go running and do things. So it can work either way. And what I'm curious about that I didn't really feel was explained was the mechanism. Maybe they just didn't get enough research and maybe they couldn't figure it out. But like the mechanism by which that works. Like, yeah, we see that it happens. But why? Yeah. Like what, what I felt like just talking about that chapter is... So they talk a little bit about how someone gave a speech, like their goal was to get their taxes done on time that year, and then other people adopted that goal. They had like the goal adaptation. Like it wasn't their stated goal, but it ended up becoming their goal because someone else had it as their goal. Right. And so I I feel like it's the same principle, but applied in a positive way. But <laughs> McGonagall's almost suggesting like... <laughs> When it's a stated goal or aspiration, it, that can be contagious. But the stuff, the low-level stuff, it's the negative stuff that's aspir- that is contagious. It's like the things that are happening just day to day. Okay. And so it's, it seemed it, it seemed almost like <clears throat> Kelly was saying that uh, <laughs> you know, like on a really negative side, it's it's much easier to catch a bad habit than it is to catch a good aspiration. I think a lot of it is the lower end. Well, so-and-so isn't running a six-minute mile. Maybe I can get away with not running a six-minute mile. Maybe not consciously, but something along those lines where it's just you don't need to put as much work seeing that somebody else is succeeding with minimal work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I kind of assumed, based on nothing, actually, that um, it was more of a lifestyle thing where one person's lifestyle... Like, usually the reason you suck at running and stuff is a lifestyle, right? If you don't make it your stated goal to make it part of your lifestyle to work out and run all the time, you're kind of bad at it. Yeah. Um, and so if you had one guy who... I, fi- I figured that was the way he brought everyone down, was just that culture became pervasive of people not uh, taking it seriously, not taking their time to do it and doing other stuff instead. Right. And and then more and more people start to get on board. And then they, that kind of leads into the second idea she's talking about. And I kept wanting to say groupthink, but she, she used like a different <laughs> idea. She, she, uh, what, what did McGonagall call it? It was like the proof, the group proof or... Uh, it's, where, it's where the group is all doing one thing and you see them doing that thing. And so instead of you know, resisting it, like, you just follow in the direction that they do. Uh, and, um, 
and it and it's kind of like you know just taking advantage of it. it it's true. It, it seems more acceptable and it seems more useful a thing to do because everybody's doing it. Yeah, I remember uh, talking about But she about had that. a name for it. It was like... like Social proof or group proof or something yeah, like that. Yeah, social proof or something like that. And she essentially like <laughs> gave a scientific basis for the idea that if your friends jump off a bridge, you would too. <laughs> I like the studies with um, the home energy stuff. They're like, well, I don't do it because my... Gr- my neighbors are doing it. I do it for my grandchildren. I do it for this and that. Oh, yeah. But the only thing that actually mattered was whether they thought that their neighbors were conserving energy. Not whether they were, just whether they thought they were. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was what was weird to me. To me, though, what stuck out by the phrasing of that is it seemed like they were saying that they, the people who were reading it, were the outliers. Like, actually, you're the bad. <laughs> right. Yeah. Everybody else is on board, but you're a shitbag. But like, uh, and I kind of, I was just like, it, it. When I heard the way the study was phrased, the flyer, I was like, this actually seems like really negative. I was just like, maybe just negative messages work better than positive ones. Um. Let's see here. So that was your favorite thing. Yep. I think. Uh, let's see here. What did I like about the book? I got two things I I could say that I really liked about the book. Mm-hmm. I liked um, so at first I was waiting for the science to happen. <laughs> I was like, any time now, you're gonna tell me about an experiment, and uh, we just discussed one. We just discussed the experiment with the flyers, right? Oh, yeah. She actually describes how the experiment was done, the controls, the whole nine yards. But McGonagall doesn't get into the experiments and stuff until like six hours into the book. Right. Yeah, I remember you for like the first couple of weeks in the month on Discord. We're going like, "Where's the crunch?" Yeah, where's <laughs> where's where this crunch? <laughs> yeah, where's it coming? And I, uh, I remember partly what caused it was pretty early on in the book. She ends up talking about like blood sugar levels. Yeah. And um, I had the, okay, Kelly, you're full of shit. Moment. <laughs> I was like, I don't fucking believe oh, you. I can't wait. Oh man, I gotta ask you something. Huh? <laughs> Huh? I was going to ask you what you thought about the, because um, I didn't actually read any of the background information or studies or anything, which I assume you did. Yes. And I wanted to know what you found out about the um, heart rate variability as a physiological sign of willpower. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, okay, so um, that one did not, like, so I didn't read, like, every single annotation, right? For, for what it's worth, the thing that I liked about the book is that uh, Kelly McGonagall when when the time came for me to go be like, hey, Kelly, you're full of shit. When that time came, I found the annotation section, and Kelly's like, do you think I'm full of shit? Here is a page-by-page annotation. She's like, this study goes to page four. This study goes to page 16. Wow. I was like, okay. <laughs> she knows that I think she's full of shit. She, I was like, she's playing ball. And uh, so I only read a few of them, and uh, I did read the one. Um, it turns out what was interesting is this kind of ties back into the whole thing about aspartame uh, and like diet sodas and blood sugar and stuff, right? Because they had already known that just before you would eat something, your your brain essentially mind fucks. The, the thing you're about to eat and goes, yeah, I'm going to lower your sugar uh, in preparation for it. And uh, it turns out if you've eaten it before, your brain actually kind of knows how much sugar's in it. 
<laughs> goes, okay, I'm going to lower this mount. So the problem with, um, so the research gets more bizarre than that. When you drink soda, your brain is still eye-fucking it. Lowers the sugar level. Mm-hmm. So when you drink the diet soda, it takes a while to adjust to that behavior because all the other times it had the sugar. Right. And so it drops your blood sugar level, expecting you to get it, and then you don't. But then, but what the research eventually showed, and this is this is the best part, uh, is that it, over time, your uh, because of the game, your the brain's just like the brown liquid is not always sugar. <laughs> and so then it will only like drop it a little bit. Yeah. It won't be as drastic because it does, it's like I well it could be but just in case. Just in case. So we're just going to you drop a little bit. So eventually the body adjusts. Well the health industry just chooses whichever one they want. They can say it has no effect pretty much. And they'll go and take that part of it and they'll say yeah. Aha! And then the other people would be like, it's horrible! Your brain can't figure it out! Because during the initial stage, it's, you know, it's true! McGonagall <laughs> doesn't talk about this. She's just like, I you know, think I'm bullshit, you know. <laughs> but it was awesome, because I was like, this is just crazy, right? Like, I didn't even know that there was, like, this bizarre mind-body relationship where, like, I'm looking at cheesecake and body's like, yeah, you know, you're gonna do it, right? Like, just do it! and so uh so i really liked that uh what 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 i found interesting as alex had said is that mcgonagall made the book approachable i looking through the annotations and how much reading and stuff i had to do it became obvious to me that if she had included all the experiments that it would have been a 24-hour book Mm -hmm. which was about the size of thinking fast and slow (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah, don't yeah. say. So, so she essentially just put like all of this experiment stuff I put over here. Um, the other thing I liked about the book is that Mc, uh, McGonagall, uh, in a way, kind of distills the message, and she's actually a pretty good writer. Like she'll be like, "This is the point." All this preamble at the end of every single chapter should be like just a recap right here. Yeah, a really good recap, by the way. Yeah, like, I would like zone out during chapters because I mostly listened to this book this week on the ways to and from work, which means <laughs> five thirty in the morning and four thirty in the afternoon, respectively. Yeah. I'm not particularly awake at any of those points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I would. My brain you learned would just, a lot about willpower. <laughs> my brain would just. Da, 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 I'd be like, okay, back here. Here we go. And I was like, oh, yeah, missed that part. And then she'd get to the end of the chapter, and I'd be like, and she tied it all back together. I'd be like, okay, that piece, that piece, that piece, that piece. Okay, we're good. We got everything. Yeah, the recaps were excellent. And uh, it was just something I really liked about the book. You know, there's a lot of uh, doctors and scientists out there who we have listened to on this show um, uh-huh. who probably have proven why they are not writers. <laughs> Kelly McGonagall's talented lady. She can write a book. All right. Did you like something about it, Josh? Yeah. Um, well, I wanna, oh, yeah. Before Josh hopped in, what was your favorite chapter? Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, uh, um, I feel like, because I, I can't remember the numbers offhand, but there is a chapter that is about your future self. Mm. Oh, yeah. And um, I've actually thought about 
future style stuff a lot. It actually comes up in um, uh, a little bit of Stoic philosophy. You see this stuff in uh, in various religious practices and stuff. And, um, and it was actually part of like my CBT, my cognitive behavioral therapy about like what's good for future dude. What was interesting is that a lot of that stuff comes off as like really fluffy duffy. And so my McGonagall is like, well, I mean, <laughs> let's be honest here. Uh, you got these two competing interests. And she, um, it was one of the chapters where she actually explains the chimpanzee thing, right? The chimpanzees are like, I want six raisins, bro. Oh, that was yeah, uh, yeah. the Instagram application chapter. I, yeah, I it was about I saw it. the title of it just now. Yeah. Put in the future on sale. Yeah, put in the future on sale, right? And, and discounting. <laughs> the future right and mm -hmm. um it appealed to my economist sense and i really liked um the 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 where she's actually trying to like both like attack the idea that humans are weird and often prefer immediate gratification but then she's also providing the justification for this and uh it, you know it's a chapter i like it also got me into like a whole thought experiment where it's like man i could make a whole role-playing game around this chapter. <laughs> <laughs> i was like <laughs> so yeah like you said that chapter does come out kind of fluffy duffy but eventually she does get into some of the science where you literally see your future self as a different person yeah, yeah. which was really interesting like it's not even you anymore it's yeah I, at the end of the, after at the end of that, I stopped and thought, like, what if your future self wrote you a letter? Was that I, the sorry? Was that the same chapter that did the um, um, like the borrowing from your future self sort of yeah. thing? Yeah, okay. yeah, you're like, yeah, you've taken out a loan from yourself. And um, in the end, when I thought about <clears throat> it, um, like, I got into like the very literal sense, like the the choices you're making today are mm -hmm. the consequences for your future self. And uh, I was telling Alex as we were coming in, I was like, "Does do you make a choice right now? And does your future self remember that choice? And did they write you a letter? And did that letter end with, fuck you? <laughs> so I have, a, I, have a th I have a thing for this. <laughs> Back when I was still in the Air Force and we all did aircraft maintenance all the time, we uh -huh. had a lot of time to talk about stuff on the flight line. Uh -huh. We weren't maintaining aircraft. And we got into this kind of inside joke of talking about like yeah that sounds like a problem for future Kirby He's he can fucking deal with that <laughs> and then, like but then like the week later you'd be like man why is past why is past Kirby such a fucking dick yeah god this sucks yeah past Kirby is an animal so you recognize it and then you just do it anyway you're just like sorry future Kirby you got to deal with this one buddy yeah, and they kind of talk about that. Like, I mean, even um, she actually even talked about the experiment where well, what, one of my favorite parts, she talks about they're signing themselves up yeah, for that. tutoring people, right? Oh, and yes. For any number of like things, just like, you want to give money, you want to do this, and like all these things. Yeah. And people are just like, yeah, Future Me is all over this. Future Me <laughs> has got this on lockdown. My favorite part was she also includes signing up people who are not you <laughs> for future work. Yeah. And those people are, they are monks. They are ready, right? Like, they're like, yeah, they're going to give 120 hours. I'll give 84. Future Me will give 84. And me right now is going to give 24. I'm like, <laughs> I remember the numbers. I was just like, okay, jerk. <laughs> no, I, I remember the subject of the study was actually um, 
drinking this concoction of like soy sauce and ketchup or something. Ugh. Yeah. And it yeah. was just like, I can imagine the guy in there. It's like, well, you can drink. I need you to drink this for science, but you can sign up. You can like. You can drink some. Just put down how much you're gonna drink now, and how much you'll drink later, and how much you want. <laughs> or, uh, or the next person will drink some too. Just put down how much they'll drink, and it's like always like, here you go, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how much? How much? Fun with that. Yeah, and so to me, um, and, and you know, this, this is typical for me. Every all the listeners know, but. The the case is here is that um, the crunchy stuff happens at the end of the book, and a lot of crunch happens in that chapter. And so yeah, I like yeah. it's my favorite. Okay. Yeah. So Josh, what did you like about the book? So I, um, I actually liked uh, the early. I think it was like chapter two, where it was doing a lot of that biology stuff, where Garner started to raise all his eyebrows. Yeah. At, um, <laughs> and uh, and I, for me. Um, I had this love-hate relationship, which I'll probably get on the into on the second half of this chapter, but I really liked the concept of the physical controls for willpower that are kind of beyond your cerebral controls. How just like, um, you know, simple shit like, like that you hear all the time, like dieting and getting good sleep and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or being physically healthy and getting good sleep, I should say. Um, can really help build a willpower reserve. Um, also, to talk about it as like a quantity that you have and have to replenish, um, I thought was an interesting way to sort of think about it. Yeah, I like the guy with the <clears throat> treadmill, the calorie count. He just wrote over it. You know, it's the willpower count for the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. I actually talked a little bit about that. Um, one of the things McGonagall essentially stresses throughout the book without saying as much is that it really didn't matter what you did so long as it was near the edge of your ability. Mm-hmm. This is like everybody who works out already knows this. Like Kirby and I talk about this a lot. He'd be like, yeah, you can you know lift the same weight every day. And at first it'd be hard and eventually it'd just become normal. But yeah. you're not going to become like an ox doing that. You eventually have to move up to more stress, right? You have to keep yeah. progressing, and so McGonagall's like, "Well, your discipline essentially will only build if you are putting yourself in stressful situations." Uh huh. I also would say um, I really liked kind of like the overall structure of the book. I thought it starts off um, like nice in general to help you build over time as you go through the course of the chapters. Until the end, you have like this full arsenal and a very complete picture of the the total battle, you could say, um, with willpower. But uh, I also kind of appreciated in in the format aspect of it, like um, you know, one thing I know we all really liked about Thinking Fast and Slow was that it had a lot of the uh, when it presented an idea to you that was sort of like your instinct would be like, I don't know about that. It would do a lot to sort of um, sell you on the study material. Right. Mm-hmm. And I felt that McGonagall did a really good job of being like, all right, here's what the naysayers are going to say and what you're probably thinking. And then not only did she have, you know, um, a wealth of studies and referential work to to look into further, but she also had a lot of um, anecdotal experience with the classes that she ran mm-hmm. kind of based on this program. I kind of liked that the book was sort of post this program right because i felt if it was supposed to be like in partnered with the program it wouldn't have the same weight that it does having had that experience on hand 
of actually working with people and helping them work through it and watching them come up with their own epiphanies and even referencing what students did as an exercise in um, the subject matter of the chapter. And so a lot of that, I, I really appreciated it. I also kind of appreciated McGonagall's sense of humor, um, <laughs> in spite of the fact that the narrator wanted to do nothing for it. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about that guy. <laughs> yes, Let me are. tell you, I have something to say about him. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't do my Savannah lines any justice, okay? <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, I'd say those are generally the things I really liked about it. I, I overall had a really positive opinion about the book. I'll probably be going through it again in the future. Oh. Good. And you already said your favorite chapter was biology yeah. stuff, so on to Kirby. What All right. What you like? Um, so I had a weird experience with this book because the first four chapters or so, mm-hmm. I did one every other day. And had time to reflect and kind of think about the things it was talking about. Mm-hmm. And the last six chapters, I just slammed in this entire week. <laughs> yeah, right, no right. breaks, no thinking about it. It was like, listen to the book on the way to work, work for eight and a half hours, listen to the book on the way home, go to sleep. Right. So I didn't yeah. get a lot. I didn't really get a lot of time to digest the last half of the book, and that's probably why I like my most of my retention is based in the first half. And also, the first half came out. First chapter was kind of meh. Second chapter was uh, whatever. Chapters three, four, and five appeared to me to be like, a, here's a list of dirty tricks your brain wants to play on you to make you not do things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really got that vibe. Like six, seven, eight, nine, and ten were all just various um, focus. Like they focus on different things. They use a lot of studies. But three, four, and five really came out, or like those early chapters really came out and said, here's why. Like, here's what's happening when you don't do the things that you think you want to do. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I appreciate... The, let me explain all the ways your brain is a Judas. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. What I mostly appreciate is a lot of these concepts I appreciate because I was like, okay, because I had kind of had feelings about some of the things, things before, some of these concepts like the concept of like baby steps. Do a small, like do a thing. Just, just do a little piece. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Just look at it. Or just like for 10... Or like one of the chapters talked about forcing yourself to do something for 10 minutes or not forcing yourself to do something for 10 minutes yeah. while thinking about it. Oh, yeah. And so some of these specific strategies were super good. Yeah. And they matched up a lot with some of the experiences I've gained. And one of the... like, So I really appreciated having some of the vague ideas that I had. Like, okay, maybe I should like... This whole baby steps concept and waiting until I really want to do something to do it, not like halfway committing to something. But what I mostly appreciated was um, I felt like there was this overarching constant reminder of mindfulness or just pulling back and looking at the situation. Like it's like towards the later half of the book, it was there too, where um, I think it was just today or this morning, I think I was in the chapter where one um, researcher had a group of people in a room in a conference room, all facing a wall, all with their cigarettes, their mm-hmm. fresh packs of cigarettes, mm-hmm. or that study where yeah. she had them take like forever to do it and say, okay, now think about this and just like, okay, now you like, you know, you want to smoke. Now just like think about that and just like, you know, accept it. Oh yeah, really breaking down the process. And really just like process. this concept of just using your brain to think about the things <laughs> that you're doing and not doing and look at yourself objectively. Yeah, so I mean, it really ties into Think of Fast and Slow. Kirby, you should probably read it sometime um, because essentially what McGonagall is constantly pointing out here is that you just kind of go on autopilot, right? Yeah. You don't want to autopilot. You, yeah, and, and uh, every once in a while it would be nice to just be like, <laughs> pause. 
What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, it's just like, like record scratch, freeze frame. Yeah. Six what? fists in the air, system one. <laughs> so, I really, really, I think my favorite thing, my favorite thing about the book is easily the constant reminder. Maybe it's like, maybe I already like that because I already think it's something I try to practice. And so when I hear mentions of it, it reinforces that, and I just get confirmation bias. And that's all I pay attention to. <laughs> sure, right? Yeah, confirmation bias is great. Yeah. Right, but um. I just, I appreciated that it constantly got brought up. I'm like, thank you, please. Because I appreciate the book because I'm not sure everyone takes the time to think about these things. Sure. And it's great that somebody decided, you know what, let's put, let's lay this out nice and easy. Without a lot yeah. of the fluffy duffy. Because a lot of the mindfulness stuff is generally mm-hmm. meditation. You know, oh, yeah. pay attention to what you're doing. You know, Dalai Lama discussed that some. And is our second book to recommend meditation? <laughs> You'll probably get a lot more free. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But it really backs up the science behind it. Oh, yeah. Of why you should be mindful. Not just fluffy duffy, it works. I think he mentioned his favorite chapter. But I can't remember. Yeah, so I'm going to go over it again because I was looking at this because you have a physical copy and that's just great. Yeah, physical copies. <laughs> yeah. So I this bad like, thing where like, so the information's in there somewhere, but mm-hmm. it's not organized. Yeah, right, right, right. I have, it, it got just poured into a pool of knowledge <laughs> and it kind of just bubbles up to the surface sometimes. That's what happens when I listen to things and don't read them. Um, so probably chapter three, why self-control is like a muscle. Yeah. yeah. I really appreciated the, this is why you get tired. This is why you fail. When you fail, this is what is happening in your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things in the book that I felt was an overarching theme is that stress equals cravings. They're like, the more stress you have, the more likely you will eventually do the thing. Yep. And, oh, yeah. and, and she constantly brings it up. She's like, it doesn't really matter what the activity is. It could be your visa card to go on a shopping spree. It could be a child molester. And then eventually you do the thing, that that horrible thing. You could, it, it, it could be that. I like the constant politician jokes. Yeah, the politicians. <laughs> yeah. Politicians sleeping with you, people or doing whatever. Yeah, you could be blowing strangers in the bathroom. You know, whatever, right? And, 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 and the idea that McDonald's is like, it just kind of turns out that stuff's always there. Like underlying stress relievers, even perhaps bizarre. Not even helpful. You, they, frankly... What's what's insidious about this, and I did, I, uh, and it's kind of a negative point for me, is that McGonagall never really quite explains to us why some of these things are reciprocal or like have positive feedback. Right. Like, like blowing strangers in the bathroom might cause you further stress, but you're doing it because you're stressed. Like gambling away all your money. Yeah, future. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck you, past you. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, past you, why'd you blow to strangers? Uh. I think think the most poignant one is like when you're in debt, you go spend to feel better for that short term burst. Yeah, exactly. And so it it is, is, it's really interesting to me how often it just comes up stress equals cravings and that you your cravings are there and and if they're and McGonagall's like yeah you can try to manage these things right but she's like but in some ways the early part of the book is like it'd be better if you didn't have to though <laughs> right it'd be a lot better if you had willpower 
first. Yeah. Maybe you should go to bed more often. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got a strong vibe in the beginning of the book of like, I think there's one point where it talked about like, what's the thing that causes people to like have the most willpower reserves? Because they were talking about that uh, heart rate variability as an indicator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as a measurement. And it's like, turns out um, being physically active and getting a lot of sleep yeah. does wonders. And I was mm-hmm. like, huh, you don't say. Weird. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's weird. It's kind of funny. Yeah, I know uh, that like generally being healthier. Oh man, I forgot you love that word. Mm. But mm. Well, okay, sorry. Generally being in better physical shape and getting enough sleep, Thank things that are good yeah. for your health in general. Yeah, there we go. Uh-huh. There we go. Yeah. Sorry, when I use the word healthy, I mean <laughs> I'm abstracting out the concept of better for your overall condition. Uh, my yes. only problem with health is the way people use it as a cudgel. <laughs> and McGonagall didn't too okay. much. Anyway, so yeah, I appreciated that. Um, being I was like, huh, doing things that are good for your overall condition is good for you and helps you keep your willpower. Weird. Yeah, I haven't heard that before. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of like to me. I've kind of sort of felt. Uh, I felt like the first part of the book is like this is what you should do. And then the second part of the book is McGonagall, you know, leaning forward and be like, but you didn't, did you? (laughs) (laughs) You you didn't, huh? You made it to this part. Let me tell you what you do now. Yeah, I have to say, Kirby, you're kind of touching on one of the things that that was my love-hate relationship with those early chapters of the book. Because I was just like, oh, you're going to tell me how to to strengthen my willpower with my poor sleep habits and my poor eating and... And your first two answers so are, pro- so eat better yeah. and get more sleep. So that's the best part about <laughs> like, this. I was, hmm. okay. I was, I, was think, I was thinking about this earlier this week. I was, yeah, I was actually, from the regard of sleep and stuff like that, I was thinking earlier this week, was, man, it just really sucks if you uh, are having trouble sleeping because you can't stop yourself from doing the thing. And the reason you can't stop yourself from doing the thing is because you're not sleeping enough. Yeah, yeah. There's there's some catch on it too. But what's nice is McGonagall actually has like a whole list of strategies, like a batter of things to do, and more are being researched all the time. Right. Yeah. So. And and I'm no I'm no stranger to some of this, like trying to to better my physical health and. Um, research and that sort of stuff, and so I had to like, you know, suppress my knee-jerk reaction to this information. Be like, oh, here we go again. This song and dance. All I you have to do to fix the problem is fix the problem. Yes, <laughs> I love that answer. Yeah. That's well, my favorite. <laughs> I think she actually does a good job of how to do that with how she breaks up the I will power, the I yeah. want power, the I want power. Yeah, yeah. Um, she does yeah. talk about the one chick in her class who's trying to go to bed earlier, and she just realizes that she needs to stop doing stuff. It's not. I will go to bed. It's yeah. I won't do all the shit. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And and like, um, she had that thing around the heart rate variability with the, the breathing practice, control slowing your breathing. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely have been implementing that, and trying to be more mindful when I'm starting to stress out about stuff. To like, okay, take a moment, let's breathe. So you got me. You got me <laughs> into my next topic here. Yeah. Did you? <laughs> take any of McGonagall's challenges? Um, I would have to say, me personally, I didn't... Um, I wouldn't say wholesale eat. I mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. I did practice some of the breathing and some of the meditation, but it wasn't too far of a stretch from what I already was doing. But Because um, I, like Kirby started, was taking one chapter a day. 
right. for about a week. Um, only did I miss a wet day towards the end of the week, and I had to crush two and two and one. Um, and so I didn't do it like the program suggests at the beginning of the book. Okay. How about you, Alex? Did you do any during your reading? I have read this probably four times now, and I don't think that I've ever done one wholesale. They've <laughs> mostly been thought experiments. Okay. Right, right, right. Kirby, did you try any? I mean, <laughs> you short answer, no. <laughs> short answer is no. Like, I already know about mindfulness meditation, and it's great, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't practice it very much, but I'm fond of the concept, and whether by placebo effect or by actual effect, it does something. Um, yeah. And uh, it turns out deep breaths is kind of a thing that people have talked about a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Weird. So, um, I actually did go with one of them. Yeah, oh, man, which one? Um, it was it was near the beginning because I had read a book early on uh, where McGonagall kept stressing it's like a muscle, and um, she had stressed like you just need to do something that you kind of don't like just a little longer, and a little longer, mm-hmm. and a little longer, right? And uh, I actually went uh, literal. I went like literally a muscle. <laughs> <laughs> And in this case, um, my shoulders, you know, had been getting like all hunched over from desk time. And um, so whenever I rode on the bus or was chilling out or anything, every single day, uh, six times a day or more, um, whenever I had any moment at all, I would force my shoulders back like this. And then I'd get them into position. And then I'd hold until it was physically painful. And then I would count. And then I'd count. And, you know, I'd go longer and longer and I'd keep score on how it was. And uh, hmm. it was actually interesting because uh, the month for me was actually a particularly stressful month. And so listening to the book was like really bizarre at times. I was like, I hear you, man. I was like, <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> right? Like I had, um, I'd been helping a friend out and, uh, while it's good to help them, it has been painful. <laughs> There's, it's been emotional, and it's not podcast material. Sorry, listener. And um, but uh, so it was. It was a hard month, but I actually was like, but this one thing, I'm gonna do this one thing, and uh, I feel like after the month of doing this sort of I will challenge, like I mean, I'm going to force the shoulders back, and I'm mm-hmm. gonna make myself endure it right um one of the things i actually noticed because i'm actually working on a physical muscle my arms feel different they actually (laughs) hang off my body when i stand i'm like instead of perch in front of you yeah i don't kind of mantis yeah like my t-rex hands are not as bad anymore right like my shoulders are actually starting to like fall in line with my body in fact the um once i'd gotten about 20 days in i was actually out and about with laviger yeah. and and a, and we were talking about something and i was like you know um i was like i work with metal a lot right you know that's that's my thing was metal and um i remember something about metal like you when you like would bend it forward mm-hmm. and like if you bend it back oftentimes it still was warped yeah right like it still had that compression damage and um over time i realized that like my arms were like the compression damage i had like worked it back so much and so that over time i was working it back more 
and more and more and more uh -huh. until um, you know, I couldn't even real like at the start. I didn't even realize how much range of motion I could get back. Oh yeah, yeah. So it was really interesting because it had like a physical effect. As far as the mindfulness effect uh, went, one of the funny things about that is it gave me the more capacity to say, like, well, I'll do it later. What was interesting though is it did not give me the ability to say no way. Mm -hmm. So that never happened. But it did make it so like, I um, really want Thai food. I'm having a bad week. And and I remember there was a day where I could have had it that day. And I said, I'm going to do it tomorrow. Okay. Tomorrow came and I did it. But <laughs> <Right. laughs> you could have put it off if you wanted to. Yeah, I actually could put it off. And so... I think McGonagall was on to something because the more I worked on putting myself physically in pain for my own good, um, the easier it was for me to say, well, later. Yeah, I think it's like Kirby said, it's it's baby steps. It's like putting on training wheels, you know. Mm. You gotta you gotta get used to it. So I gave it I, I gave it a go. And I think there is some credence to it. I don't my personal opinion is was not nearly as powerful as advertised, but there was an effect. Alright, well, Alex. Well, before we get to dislikes, oh. I don't know Kirby that well, and I think you're kind of in the same boat, but at least Garner has been on multiple fasts and multiple yeah. long willpower challenges of his own even before the true, book. True, true. Yep. Do you think that this book will help you with those in the future, or do you think that it taught you anything about willpower? Yeah, of course, for me, who's done many fasts and extreme diets and weird stuff like that, um, yeah, there is actually just some pretty useful advice in the book. I, I do feel, though, that um, there's a section in the book that's actually interesting where McGonagall, and it's kind of what I want to talk about on the negative side, McGonagall talks about how your brain is actually, your frontal cortex is actually really good at convincing you to cheat. <laughs> so before we go on, actually, um, I did want to mention that I felt obligated when the book started, when we started the book. I was like, okay. And I was like, the reason I didn't, I started late. I waited a little while because I was like, I listened to like the intro and I was like, what am I going to do mine on though? And yeah. Like, I, I felt like, even though I knew I wasn't doing the program, I knew I was going to run out of time. That was going to happen. Um, I was like, I have to have something. And so that was the week that I decided to start actually controlling how much I ate because mm -hmm. the week prior to that, I had to buy a new pair of pants and I had to buy a pair of 42s and... That's never fun. I decided that like, that's enough of that. <laughs> Cannot be having this anymore. We're going to do something about it. And so I did get to kind of implement some things um, passively while we're doing this because the entire time I've been mostly controlling what I eat every day. More like mostly what happened was I when I failed, I got to look and be like, yeah. Okay, yeah, I see. Now that I've had some drinks and I'm tired and I've had a rough day, that's why I'm eating these wings right now. Okay, I get yeah. it. Mm -hmm. So at least I understood what was going on. Didn't stop me. Right. <laughs> There's this aspect to the book, though, that is insidious. It's almost like better if you didn't know. And it is where McGonagall tells you that you, A, don't want to forgive yourself and anything but that. Right, and that has actually been very useful to me. It was actually interesting to me that she said that is bad, 
right? And that oh, yeah. she had to research to show it and how everyone would fight it. And I was like, I, I don't know, right? Like, it, it was so hard, like, because I was like, well, I'm here. I'm here being like, no. <laughs> I'm like, you're wrong, right? It is so useful to be like, not now, never give in, never surrender, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so it was so interesting to me. But she puts in this idea that you're going to find a way to convince yourself that it's okay. And the funny thing is, is by, by injecting that idea and then also injecting the idea that you forgive yourself, it's almost like she sets you up. For this, for what I consider positive feedback loop, where she says to you that, oh, you know what? Hey, your frontal cortex just convinced you to do the thing. It's okay, man. Yeah, it's okay, dude. You should do the thing. And that happened to me a few times, and I was like, "You bitch." <laughs> I was like, "Like so." So that aspect of fasting was tough. But other aspects, like the 10-minute, the smoking thing, mm-hmm. right? The 10-minute, like, just wait. That was useful. Yeah. Don't put yourself in a situation. I did that all the time with fasting. And to have the researcher be like, yeah, just don't, right? Don't, you know, go know to where the... where you're going to fail so that you can avoid it. Yeah, think yeah. ahead. Right? That, um, that whole, like, that's part of that objective, like, looking at things thing. It's like, let's not focus on doing or not doing a thing. Let's, fo- let's go one step back. Let's focus on what conditions lead to me doing the thing or not doing the thing. Yeah, like mm-hmm. how can I not get into that situation? And um, and McGonagall um, actually, you know, essentially is like you can create like this whole roadmap. And, and that's some of her advice. She's like, you know, think about your day, right? Like what's going to happen, right? Like what, uh, what aspect? She talked about like how let's say there's Milky Way bars that are always like in a bowl, but they're actually in a drawer instead. Right? Like, she's like, really, does it really make a big difference if you had to reach over to get it in a bowl or if you open up the, <laughs> the counter? Like, there's no real energetic difference. Just one is in the drawer where you don't see it, and one is swipe it as you pass by. To me, it, it, I was thinking back when I was, when I was listening to that, I was thinking back to um, Kahneman being like, system one would be like, there it is, got it. But to get it out of the drawer, it takes system two. Now I have to go get it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, although I think you flipped them, but it's fine. Yeah. Did I? Yeah. I think so. I think so, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, it's right. it's there. Intuition's yeah. like, got it, and yeah. and your uh, deliberate self thinking. is like, oh, no, 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 or you know, I'm going to have to open the drawer. And so, so I do think McGonagall can help someone, even someone who's fasted many times. Um, her strategies will will help with that. It, but I do think that it was just so weird, right? Like I feel like she, like if you already used a lot of these things, I was like, no, you're working with me now. You're kind of <laughs> fucking with the thing. Okay. So I think we're on to what I didn't like. Um, do it. I don't know. Uh, I've been postponing. <laughs> She's like, it's hard. I love the book. I've read it before. Yeah, I think, like, I like the classroom bits, but it would have also been nice to have some of the things that didn't work in the classroom added to the book. Um, she mentions in the beginning that she did kind of cut it down. You know, I suggested mm-hmm. some things, and, you know, students fell asleep during some parts. And I think it probably would have 
been nice to have a wider range of things. You know, what doesn't work for somebody may have worked for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's my only real criticism is the stuff that didn't work and why it didn't work. If yeah. there was any investigation into that. Yeah, I can hear that. I, um, I'm just going to start with the narrator. Yeah. I, uh, first off, I would have preferred a female narrator, and I'm just not sure that the industry is lacking in that many female narrators. Kelly McGonagall's a woman, presumably. I mean, I've actually seen a picture of her. So She, she does have a TED Talk. Yeah. I think it's on willpower, but it's not exactly what's yeah, in And I would have preferred a female narrator. Like, it, it, it actually kind of drove me crazy to have this, this dude, and... It, and like his weird, <laughs> man, he loves that H sound. Okay, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, like the... even if he said the word weird, it was it would probably be weird. <laughs> like, come on, dude. And I just I um, but he had this uh this sing songy like, you know. I right, can he... tell you what it is. This freaking Mr. Walter Dixon. Um, yeah, this jerk. So the guy who the people who produced the audiobook, I don't remember their publishing company name, but it was like some like self help publishing company. Okay, right. so like, yeah, yeah. So they were like yeah. they specified in these things. I just don't understand why Walter Dixon really wanted to put you to sleep because it's all like. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about your willpower challenges. Yeah. You have to get more sleep. Let's practice breathing. Do you, do you, remember, the, do you remember Fight Club? And, and, and they, they, they were like, now you're going to go to your cave. Yeah. This dude is the cave guy. Like, I listen, like there's this never-ending penguin in my mind. I listened to the, the introduction and... And chapter one, I was immediately like, oh no, this is going to be a hard yeah. eight hours. Okay, yeah. And it's all the narrator's fault, because if I if I force myself to listen hard to the content, I can hear that McGonagall is both educated, she's written this really well, she's got a sense of humor. She has a birth but, of experience. Yeah, but Walter Dixon doesn't care about any of that. I swear to God, like, he delivers jokes... Like, he is reading a manual. Like, they pulled this guy out of a work safety um, <laughs> instructional video. <laughs> it was like, read the this, 80s. teach some people about willpower, you know, um, yeah. and, so, the, and the importance of safety glasses. So I really <laughs> did not like Mr. Dixon's no, narration. neither did I. I um, and it gets me into my second point of yeah. what I didn't like. This book comes off, and I think it's to its disservice, it comes off too much like a self-help book. Okay, yeah, you said it. I, yeah, <laughs> it's just, it just comes off too much like that. The book would have actually been better served yeah. not being that. I'm just going to hit that. I'm going to hit that again when it comes back around to me. Yeah. So no, go ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... I didn't hate the narrator as much as you guys did. Okay, yeah, we have the words of him. We're gonna go find him and beat him up later. Um, I felt maybe it's. I mean, maybe I'm inured to it to watching too many actual legitimate 
Made in the 80s Air Force instructional videos. <laughs> I was going to say, how, how, how long have you been for the government? Yeah, so maybe I'm just so used to it at this point that it doesn't really make a difference to he's me. He's like, he's one of us, He's man. built an immunity. I'm like, a con- I'm like a connoisseur for it now. Or I don't know. So I didn't, it's a delicacy. So I didn't, I didn't immediately notice like all the issues he had with the way he spoke. Yeah. When I did start the book and they said something self-help books and I was like, oh man, here we go. Yep. And so... Um, I appreciated the way the book imparted knowledge. It talked about, it discussed, it explained to you what's going on in your brain when things happen. I felt that the book didn't really keep in line with your willpower challenge as well as I thought it was going to. Like I had, I would deliberate. I'm like, what's my challenge going to be? I need to have a challenge. Right. And it became increasingly irrelevant as the book went on what my challenge was. Right, right. So besides um, it coming off as a self-help book self-help book when I would have preferred it to come off as here's how things work here's how your brain works type book also I didn't feel that it did a particularly good job of being a self-help book interesting yeah well because because like you were saying it was not like you come back and be like so you're doing the thing right and unfortunately like most self-help books in today's world there was like this overwhelming focus on weight right oh yeah like yeah. you know what I was actually really surprised is how little the book talked about, um, I don't know, like shouting at someone you love, <laughs> crying. I think that's a, I right? think, yeah, it was a lot like, of weight, smoking, and then I think the third most common one was the... Um, I think spending is probably... Yeah, spending. spending. Yeah. I, I see all these things and I read... Um, <laughs> Subjects that are likely to hit a wide audience. Yeah, they felt like the sort of stuff that, you know, uh, frankly, would be on Yahoo News. And, (laughs) you know, and and there was this aspect to it that I was like, it's not served by this. There's a lot of people who are automatically turned off by Fluffy Duffy Counselor and automatically turned off by self-help books. And this book, I feel one of its greatest weaknesses is that if I wasn't in a book club, I would not have finished it. <laughs> right? I would have stopped on chapter two and been like, dumpster. And uh, and so, dear reader, uh, just continue. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right? that that's kind of segues, I think, into to sort of my problem. Because I didn't quite get that, that self-help burn that you two did, I guess. But, well, some people don't. Right? But I got it in a slightly different way because like I, we touched on earlier that that uh, the, the thing where it's like, oh, you have these problems? What I have to do is, is not have those problems to not have those problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I was, remember I was trying to explain this uh, frustration with my mom when I was reached the chapter and I'm like, I have this like weird analogy, so, so bear with me here. Imagine a world where only you are allowed to work, fix your car. Nobody else can do it for you. And then something's going wrong and you think it's your carburetor. So you go to a guy who knows vehicles and you're like, hey, I think I'm having a problem with my carburetor. Can you tell me how to f- fix it? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's really simple. You just got to pull the carburetor out, go get a new one and put it in. And I'm like, okay, well, how do you do that? He's like, what do you mean? You just go get a new one and you put it in. I'm like, well, how do you take it out? He's like, you just do it. I mean, it's not that hard. You just take the carburetor out. <laughs> yeah. And I keep going from person to person who just doesn't understand how to tell you step by step to remove 
that carburetor. <laughs> there is this aspect to the book that would be kind of like trying to explain to a child how to walk. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. McGonagall just thinks you know how to do it. Right. Right, that you can. That, that you have, like, that much self-control. I was like, this book probably wouldn't be very useful if you're in prison. Yeah. And so, <laughs> right? So while I can totally yeah, understand, okay. like, McGonagall's... Um, the reason, like I said, I, I have a love-hate with this chapter is because I can totally understand why she front-loads that stuff. You know, because they're like, just get these physical controls rolling. Like, just start the ball rolling anywhere. And, and I will admit that she does a really good job of, like... Making it bite size and seem manageable, mm-hmm. you know. She she really like tears it down to be like this isn't as hard as it feels, but um, at the same time, I was just like, okay, I'm gonna soldier on. I think part of it though is that different things work for different people. Everybody right. starts yeah. from a different starting place. Everybody has different triggers. Everybody has different biases in the first place. So it's really hard to just step out, you know. Step one: Eat six grams of veggies a day. Or <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you know, you, what I would have really liked is um, at the end of um, Beyond Religion, the Dalai Lama's like, "I know you want me to talk about meditation, yo." And he has a chapter <laughs> where he like gets really he deep dives it. Yeah, he, he has this whole other thing where he's like, "I tried to tell you something, but you, I know what you want, right?" <laughs> and I sort of feel like McGonagall needed to put like you know get they were like, "Did you not get it? <clears throat> Here's a form. Fill out right. the form. <laughs> Here's the process. Yeah, for you engineers out there." Right. This is she's got like a flow chart and she'd be like, the end. <laughs> right. It would have been nice if she had like if you just don't really know where to begin the chapter. Right? Yeah. Or, or at least like references to other books mm. that would probably be because I think if she did it, that's not her area of expertise. You know, nutrition, right. exercise health, that's yeah. not where she's there. But if she could suggest, you know, I work with so-and-so, and he does this, and mm-hmm. go read his book here. Mm-hmm. And so that's what's interesting about the book. Yeah. I would say that's why that's why I feel like it's a better informational book than it is right. a self-help book, because it doesn't hit any specifics. It talks about willpower. It doesn't talk about how to fix your problems. That's what I'm saying. It's a very bizarre book, right? Like, it's it's like, it's like how to, Here's how you build a framework that will allow you to fix your problems. Yeah, and to, and to think about willpower and to think about self-help, I actually think it, you can get something out of it. Like I said, you know, I actually authentically got something out of the book. Oh yeah. And um, but it is interesting to me that um, it kind of comes off as a self-help book, and I just think it's it, it's to its disservice. I think my other complaint is um, you can take it from here. I'm done. Like you, Garner, <laughs> uh, when. I was having a pretty rough month with a lot of stress. And, um, and so while listening to this book, it was hard not to like dwell too much on all of the, the cognitive failings that the brain seems to be able to do. I'm like, is anything fucking real? Like, Jesus Christ. I can't seem to intuit any fucking bullshit. And my brain's constantly trying to be my worst enemy. And I'm supposed to use this thing to fix the problems. Yeah, she even decides in the book, and be like, you know, you might want to think of this person as an opponent. Of <laughs> right? like, this person's me, by the way. And then she's like, and be really nice to yourself. It's absolutely like, true. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I guess, like, the way I approach this book, like, I'm, I received it differently because, like, you know, I, I used to smoke a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. A whole bunch. 
And then, like, over the course of, like, a year and a half, I don't anymore. Right. But God right. damn, did I want a cigarette this week. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going right now. But, um, so I've, su- I've already succeeded once. I already know I can do it. Um, so okay. when you start talking about, here's the information. It's like, oh, man, okay, this fits into that. And this is, oh, this is what I was doing there. And, like, when I, um, when I actually finally stopped vaping... The way that I did it was that I had to go down my guard, uh, do the, my guard drill for a week, uh-huh. and I just didn't take it with me. And right. I spent every afternoon go. and evening inside my dorm room doing nothing, <laughs> not going anywhere. Yeah, and McGonagall's is like, just get yourself. Um, uh, this is the part where she talks about Cortez burning the ship. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you burn the ship. Yes. Right? I mean, I could, if I, I mean, I, I could have just gone to the BX or something and got back <clears throat> cigarettes. Okay. It was doable, right? But. It took more to do that than it would take to just be like, oh yeah, we'll just go. So I've seen these things now. I can sorry, I can map this book and the concepts to my own experiences and be like, okay, that's how that works. That's how that works. So on and so forth. Okay, and that yeah. really flavored how I took the book. And so I definitely like like I intended to do like one chapter a day, but I, I appreciated that method because I could not have taken it in a larger chunk. Um, like I wish did. I wish I had <laughs> because uh, it it put me in like very deeply introspective moods. And oh, it wasn't always for the best. <laughs> I, I really wish I could have done the whole book the way at the beginning, or done like it in ten weeks. But then I was gone for three days over the weekend, and I came back, and I was like, I've got six or seven chapters to do in five days. But okay. it, but it, you know, to its credit, it wasn't enough for me to be like. Um, to, to not appreciate the information and, and like I said I probably will go through this book at least one more time maybe a couple more to really take it all in um, and which I think brings us uh, um, unless you have anything else Kirby no I think, I've, I think I've I think I've done enough here yeah, I, I like I, I, I agree with Garner I don't I think yeah. it, I think it is too much like a self-help book and isn't very good at it <laughs> okay yeah. and, and just, um, so you know we can kick it a few more times. Kelly, how do you feel about that? Do you want us to kick your book? I know you're listening. So, no, I think uh, we're fine. We only criticize it because we love it. Do we want to re- would we recommend it? I would, definitely. I did. I, I have, did. actually, already. Good. Oh, you already have? Yeah. I did, did you recommend it to like a bum on the side of the road? Hey, stop handling. I got no, I, I recommended it to my parents, actually, because I know they're interested in this in this sort of subject matter. All right, all right. I um, I will actually recommend a book. I think it is a good read, and uh, if anything, at least it eventually just gets very compelling, <laughs> and uh, you know, just trudge along. I I do know for sure I'm going to reference it just because of uh, McGonagall's absolutely epic annotation section. Just makes for perfect late night reading when I am having a bad day. <laughs> I um, also would and have recommended it. Damn. My wife and our roommate, um, based that purely on the strength of the, like chapters uh, three, four, and five. Three, Actually, four, five, yeah. those right. chapters were the, like physio- like physiological signs, willpower's like a muscle. All these it's like lists of tricks your brain wants to play on you. Yeah. Um, just for the knowledge alone that I think a lot of people like I kind of had a general idea from experiences and thinking about things a lot, but. I think the knowledge alone to be gained by reading the book and having someone say, hey, I spent a lot of time doing a lot of research and collecting a lot of information about how your brain works in relation to willpower. Let me explain it to you in an easy-to-digest version. I think that's worth your time. 
I uh, I just want to put a final <laughs> note about McGonagall and forgiveness. So I kind of shredded her a little bit earlier, but um, I actually once went to a church on Valentine's Day of all dang days <laughs> where a pastor gave me a very interesting uh, sermon about forgiveness. Oh. And um, the thing that I feel like McGonagall like, didn't quite touch on is just it can be too potent. It's, it can be like this double-edged sword. And so what's interesting about forgiveness and what I really want to stress is that when she is, she's like, you know, you need to do this, um, she doesn't talk about how you can set yourself up for even further guilt. Right, oh, yeah. you can because she talks about the powerful effect it has on people who forgive themselves, where they are more likely to not repeat. The, you know, in my own experience and seeing how it's discussed in religious circles and um, in Stoic philosophy and that sort of thing, the the effect is considered you have redeemed yourself, right? You you have you have created this this power of redemption, and so. Losing that feels terrible if you reoffend, mm-hmm. and so so the problem is right. It can it can actually be like shattering for your self image, and so what I feel like she doesn't talk about. I'm just like you know there are people who do eventually screw it up again really bad, and if they actually had saw themselves as redeemed, they usually are like scattered little broken pieces on the ground after that. And so I, I thought that was interesting. But I, I do want to come back around, circle back around and say, yes, it is very powerful. Oh, yeah. It could have, and in absolute, and I think the reason is, and although she didn't say, you know, from a spiritual aspect, people come in and they're like, I'm new now, right? I'm turning a leaf. Fresh start. Right, fresh start. Right, I'm not going to do it anymore, and they want to maintain something that is not yet trashed. They're not trashing themselves anymore. But, and so I'm just putting with the but. All right, there we go. Well, since we have our new guest Kirby, and you were willing to join us for this one book, and I lived, and you lived. <laughs> um, we oh, would like. That's our first time. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Man, the rest Thank of them. It's really weird. You don't know how many episodes we'd have to lift on the cutting room floor because the, the guest just kills over. Yeah, they're just like... <laughs> no, I just, I just realized, like, that's, it finally happened. <laughs> yeah, we had Staley quit out after one. I haven't hit the stop button yet, Gunnar. Don't jinx it. Here we go. You guys are bribing me, right? Because I was promised. I was like, hey, Kirby. Hey, Kirby. He's been trying for months, by the way. Uh-huh. Literally oh. months. Yeah. Since like August, September. Mm-hmm, yeah. when back promise first became yeah. really bad. I said, Kirby, we're reading this book. Maybe you want to get this book. I'm like, yeah, I'll think about it, man. I'm on drugs right now. I'll get back to you. Um, but eventually he did. He's like, oh, by the way, um, just magically it turns out that uh, you could pick the next book if you wanted to come to this one. That's what That was the price. Right. So- the price, yeah. So now you get to uh, give us some options here. I do get to give you some options. Um, so what is your first title? Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. Oh boy, what? I know Gladwell. What is this? If you I don't do like, Gladwell. if you don't like the content of Blink, um, I can offer some other ones from him. Well, first tell us what this is. Well, I'm gonna start reading because I picked some books. 
Which I, I, I can tell you about Gladwell. He did the tipping point. Yeah, I read the tipping point. What's that? Uh, okay, so Gladwell... Well, sent- I'm going to stop for a second. The full title is actually Blink, The Power of Thinking Without Thinking. Okay. Yeah, so Blink's the one I hadn't read yet. I read the tipping point years ago. Forget most of what was in it. Um, but I was like, oh, Blink, that sounds... That, content sound, oh, that premise and content sounds interesting. I would like to read that someday. And that someday is today. Gladwell essentially writes about success... And how people achieve it. Oh. And it's really interesting because he has um, he's notable for having some pretty poignant insights. He is notable for the for popularizing the idea of the ten thousand hour rule. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard him described as writing uh, popular science kind of, where yeah. like mm-hmm. he takes actual science and puts it in like an easier to read form. Um, but I'm not sure how good his annotations are because I didn't look into that when I read Tipping Point. It's fine. I I know what he is like. That's fair though. People like him. Okay. So second choice. The second choice is going to be Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, hmm. which um, I have heard of. I'm not 100 percent sure what it's about. But <laughs> I don't know. Like the title sounds. Um, it's not. It's not. It, it it's not, not like the title. It doesn't have anything to do with Zen or a whole lot to do about motorcycle maintenance either. Um, you know, I know a book like this called Snow Crash, and I thought there was going to be a pizza delivery driver with swords. That's interesting. Um, so, so, no, so from what I understand of the book, it's written like written as an autobiography, and has a lot of philosophy in it. But I couldn't tell you the specifics because I haven't read it, and I haven't read that much about it. It was also published in 1974. It's an old book. I have read bits and parts of it, but I haven't read the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Um, It deals with the values, like value of things. Oh, interesting. The uh, the author goes real deep in talking about the nature of quality and good. Yeah. The Wikipedia Hmm. blurb says it's an inquiry into values that is a work of philosophical nonfiction. Hmm. And is a first of Robert M. Persig. Yeah, Robert M. Persig. Um, We've done some first before. Yeah. I'm not, I'm afraid now. <laughs> Notably, uh, this book, I think I read, holds the record for number of publishers that uh, rejected it before it finally got published and then went on to become a bestseller. It's at 160 something. It's the author's text in which he explores his metaphysics of quality. The and title is an apparent play on the title of the book Zen and the Art of Archery by Eugene Harrigal. Oh. And then your third title would be... So the third title I literally found today Ooh. while <laughs> grabbing the author name for Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance and making sure it was on Audible. Oh, boy. Um, it's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Oh, well, I saw that. <laughs> by uh, Mark Manson, who is an internet blogger. I think that it's probably going to be a lot more fluffy than Garner wants. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about it, except that the premise is talking about how this hyper-optimistic, everyone-wins mentality is not that great. And the the reason I picked it was because I like to think that I'm uh, somewhat pessimistic sometimes. (laughs) He likes to think that. (laughs) Uh, Keep that in mind. Yeah. So... Oftentimes, I think that everything is garbage and everybody's terrible. Great. And everything sucks. You are perfect and you need for book bash. Embrace. <laughs> you need to like um, early on when I uh, was 
young in the Air Force, things would be terrible. And be like, this is so terrible. And the NCO would be like, embrace the suck. <laughs> and so when I read the title of this book and a brief synopsis, I was like, this sounds like a book that I need to read. And so that's why it's the third book on your list. I think uh, the most, uh, to me, the best part about the title of it is the word subtle. <laughs> yeah. Followed by... <laughs> Not giving the juxtaposition is that really does a lot for me. Really yeah, I'm like, wait a second, there is a subtle way, right? Like, and and like, I didn't realize that it was subtle, right? <laughs> right, you know. So, um, so this book actually came up in my Audible recommendations this morning too. I have been looking at it for a while now, but I keep. There's something about it, and I think it's something that I read on Audible, and it just didn't sit right. Like, I don't... I think I actually listened to the narrator, and I didn't like the narrator much either. So, I don't know. Yeah, and they they added, like, the new score for it, Machismo rating, and it was, like, seven or something. What was that? (laughs) I just just fucking around. I just fucking around. (laughs) It's it's a very Machismo-titled book. I like how we both played with it. Like, yeah, I'll (laughs) go fuck Yeah, yeah. Of course, like as if as if Audible had added machismo. Audible, if you're listening, you should. Right? Right. Some books should have a score of how machismo they are. To me, the the title immediately was like, oh, this is pretty. Uh, um, just like too, on the word too edgy for you. No, it was like too much, too designed to like grab your attention and, and, and try to. Oh, is it? Is it clickbait? Yeah. The book? It kind it, of it, it did, and I'm a sucker for that. And I'm willing to experience it and regret my decision later. <laughs> I've also been looking at recommending Fuck Feelings, which is a book that I've read, so which is why I haven't recommended it. Yeah. But it, I think it's kind of along the same lines, but I think no. Fuck Feelings has more power because it's written by a psychologist rather than some random blogger guy. Uh-huh. Oh. So, I don't know. All right. So, so there's three of us now. <laughs> and there's three books. So we're in danger here. We're in danger territory. But at least we have a tiebreaker vote now. Yeah. If it's only between two. It's true. So and we always have our trusty die. What I'm trying to say is that we should try to quickly eliminate a book <laughs> to prevent any bad apples here. I I am in a position here. I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell... Uh, I've read too much Gladwell. And I think uh, we will regret reading it. But our listeners will love it if we do. Who cares about them? This isn't for them. I kind of have to agree. If he's the guy that popularized it 10,000 hours of practice. I don't even know what you guys are talking about. See, I don't have any knowledge about this guy at all. I just like the book. I like the tipping point. I liked it. It was... So the 10,000 hours of practice is that it takes 10,000 hours to become a master at something. You know, you pick up piano, it's 10,000 hours of practice to become a master, which is like the stupidest thing in the world. (laughs) It's like, it really depends on person to person and how much you practice and it's how much you are mindful about your practice because you could learn it a lot quicker if you realize where you're making mistakes rather than... So just the the fact that he popularized this really dumb idea and... Wait, I mean, okay, hold on. Um, do you, you, don't, you don't think that's right? But like, as far as number of significant, significant figures, like, you don't think that's the right number of zeros at least? Uh, I, the it, idea is interesting, but it's like... It's kind of like eight eight ounce glasses of water a day. It's roughly. the same 
it depends on what you're doing. It depends okay. on what you're relatively I would approach it as an exceedingly general exactly. rule-ish. But the problem is the, the public picked up on it, and it's now like this hard, fast rule in the mind of a lot of people. Oh, okay. yeah. It's it's it, like many things that just gets abused. So there's, by the way, Alex, there's a guy wait, who wrote a counter book that completely destroys... That right, like he just completely a bombs it. So I might recommend that next go. <laughs> but but so anyways, Gladwell's interesting though because his ideas are cool. I just think that you know us being critical people, we are going to take a chainsaw to him. I think we shouldn't do it. No, yeah. and that's why I gave you three books. Dude, that's exactly why we have three books. That's why I gave you three books that I had read none of and all looked extremely interesting but, to me, so I don't lose here, ever. But that being said, I would... Um, I actually like the idea of reading Gladwell's book. Oh, I just need to quickly eliminate a book. And I vote that we should eliminate that one. Oh. Is that what we're doing? Do, do you um, agree with the quick elimination of that book? Take it back. What sounds least interesting? Because then we'll be narrowed down to two. Um, honestly, the third one sounded least interesting to me. Which one is that? Uh, so I'm not giving a fuck. Yeah. So our, okay, so now we're in a position here. So my choice, my top pick is El Motorcycle. I second that. I think I'll agree with that. I think I've been meaning to read it for a long time. Sweet. I have a paperback copy I got for Christmas. Now I get to read it. Nailed it. Yes. Like first original copy on my bookshelf that I just haven't read yet. I got me a book for Christmas. I was like, I'll get around to reading it. And then the book club thing, I was like, well, that's going on the list. Yeah. Freaking nailed it. So, uh, But now you can't complain about the narrator with us. <laughs> oh yeah, that brings that up. Um, Audible has the abridged and unabridged versions of that book. One's fifteen hours. One is six or seven. Oh, well, I mean, I go for fifteen. Yeah, yeah, just fifteen that up. I think we're fine with What's, that. What? Give me the full title again. Zen and the Art That's of Motorcycle it. Maintenance. Man, there I got it. Is. And there's a fifteen hour one narrated by Michael Kramer. Ooh, I think I've heard that name before. If not, you got it coming. Yep. So join us next week, or next month, rather. Join us next month with Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance by Robert M. Persig. And uh, I hope you have a good month. Bye. The guy's whale song. Look, you know, <laughs> Kelly, write me. Thanks again for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed. Sound effects provided by the F Sound Band, and music provided by Ben Sound. Why not tell us what you thought of our review in the comments? And join us next time on... Book Bash! <laughs>